Imagine you picked up the most important book in the world, a book with words that can transform hearts. Now imagine it was full of highlights and notes in the margin, and you could see how this book has transformed someone's heart. This is the Notable Podcast. These are the discussions of twin pastors who share their underlining and highlighting. This is Season 6, Strengthen Hearts, a podcast on First Thessalonians. Really, uh, a brand new section of First Thessalonians, an incredible section, and I just love how the Apostle Paul introduces it for us. I mean, he's so fatherly, he's so motherly, if we could say that, he's so childlike, to pick up on some of those metaphors from last time, in the way that he brings this word, and I think it's instructive for us, like if we ever have to say, do a teaching on something that's hard, like human sexuality, um, to come at it like this and, and just say, you you already know all this stuff, but I'm going to say it anyway, and I'm going to urge you to do it more and more. You know what Jesus has taught about human sexuality, but um, let me outline it for you one more time anyhow <laughs> that's kind of what he says like we want to yeah. pick up first Thessalonians 4 1 to 8 um if, you, if you're following along at home and you were going to say something Jonathan well you know first Thessalonians just to see the the forest for the trees for a second one of the things that's really lovely and I think readers can appreciate that's unique about first Thessalonians is that uh in, in contrast to um, the Apostle Paul's other books, he'll have like a, a really big um, doctrinal exposition and then he'll all of a sudden switch to, um, we, we call it ethical living or this is what Christian life looks like. But in First Thessalonians, um, the first three chapters here, um, and we went through them with you now, are, are just this call of, of relationship, um, really marinating in this, thinking about this relationship that they have. And then all of a sudden what Paul does is he honest, honest to goodness, the way I think about, about this is he just does a bullet list. You know, he doesn't have some big theme that's really tying together the letter here. He's really just saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a bullet list. And if you if you look again, we're doing forest for the trees, but you have a number of little bullet lists, a, a little bulleted points. And you can see in, in 4 verse 1, Paul says, as for other matters. So he's saying, okay, I'm going to start my bullet list and he's going to, here's, here's a bullet point one. I want to talk to you about how you use your body. Point two, I want to talk to you about how you love each other. Uh, point three, I want to talk to you about what happens when one of you dies. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and then you get into chapter five and you still have this, this bullet list really developing even more. And, and so that, that makes reading first Thessalonians a lot of fun. You get, you get a lot of topics. You got a lot of different categories. And what we're going to do today is, is zero in on just one of the bullet points, um, and really, uh, think about it 
and the apostle Paul, like you said, develops it in such a lovely way. You know, he says, look, this is coming from Jesus. This is his authority, not ours. And uh, let's talk about it, you guys. Yeah, and that's exactly what he does. I, he, starting there in verse three, and maybe we should just read it because um, we're gonna we're not gonna get very far. We're just gonna do those five verses. He's got really an incredible in depth instruction on sexuality um, and sanctification in in the use of sex. So. Here's what he wrote. He said, it is God's will that you should be sanctified. And then he's going to start his list then of how what this might look like. That you should avoid sexual immorality. That each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God. And that this in this matter, no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. The Lord will punish all those who, who commit such sins as we told you and warned you before. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, whoever rejects this instruction does not reject a human being, but God, the very God who gives you his Holy Spirit. So there it is. That's 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 the word that we want to cover today. And I don't know how you wanted to think about this, Jonathan, but I guess I wanted to just take take that just a little bit at a time take those phrases just a little bit at a time and really push into like for example um what does it mean when he says you should avoid sexual immorality um what does that mean how can you do that how can you avoid sexual immorality well sex sexual immorality he's he's got a big topic there that's a that's a big topic it's it's how to uh, manage your body um, in this world, sexually speaking. And, and for a Christian, and we're, the world is going to look at us like we are bizarre. <laughs> but they looked at Christians in the Old Testament the same way. You know, you guys, you guys believe that um, there should be a monogamous marriage between one, one man and one woman. Um, that's not how we do it. That's not how we roll. But uh that's that's the Christian sexual ethic. It's very clear. Um, sex is monogamous, and it's one man and one woman. And anything outside of that, sexually speaking, would be considered, um, and the Greek word here is pornaya, and you can actually hear the word pornography in it. Pornaya um, is um, uh, what the Apostle Paul is saying that we should avoid. <laughs> now, oh, man, there's... There's a lot to say about, you know, how do we avoid then sexual immorality? And that's that's where you really have to go. Well, yeah, I, I wanted to actually spend a little bit more time with you just defining sexual immorality. And then we can talk about avoiding it. And because the world, like you said, it's it's always defining and then redefining what sexual immorality is. So one one Greek author who was familiar with Thessalonica and, and the Thessalonians were maybe influenced by this author, said this, um, we keep mistresses for pleasure, concubines for our day-to-day -day bodily needs, but we have wives to produce legitimate children and serve as trustworthy guardians in our homes. So, I mean, that is just a scary, immoral, um, wrong way of living. But in, in, in the Thessalonican city, 
um, this was kind of accepted as normal. Um, I, I spent a little bit of time thinking about the virtues, uh, the what the world would say would be virtual, v- virtuous uh, sexual living today. And I wrote down um, a few adjectives. And let me see if you agree with this, Jonathan. But the first thing that the world would say is that sex should be safe. This a virtuous sex would be safe sex. And um, here in my city, it, when we used to be able to walk into restaurants and stuff like that, people would actually right next to um, the uh, uh, peppermint candies, there would also be a jar, um, a grab jar of condoms. And it would just say NYC on there. And you can find these condoms basically anywhere that the city's sending this message that sex, virtuous sex is not, uh, shouldn't be dangerous. It should be, it should be safe sex. Um, and so I think that's, that's a, that's a, a, a moral value to the secular world today. Um, another one would be consensual. Sex is virtuous if it's consensual and in, in the Me Too movement, I think in a helpful way, has has sort of moved that program forward where, um, you know, a man can't just decide to uh, take advantage of a woman. It should be, sex should be voluntary and consensual. Um, they, uh, so that, that would be the second virtue for the secular world. I got two more. Sex should be personal. So it, this is a personal choice. It shouldn't impact anyone around us. It's just something that I decide to do, who I have sex with, um, how I have sex. That's that's my personal choice. And then finally, whatever choice that we do make, we should take pride in it. And, um, you know, in my city, it is, and, and I think probably in your city too, it is Pride Month. It is Pride Month, and already the, the rainbow banners are are going up and people are the secular world is kind of saying um that whatever decision you make with regard to who you have sex with you should be proud of it you should tell everyone about it and and not be ashamed of it so those are those are the um the four secular virtues and of course what i want to do as we look at this text together is what does Christian piety look like? What does God call us to? And they're not going to be the same, actually. It, the Christian sexual ethic is not the same, to say the least. <laughs> well, even as, even as you were going through it, you know, um, you know I, I was thinking about all of the, the Christian responses to them. But there, there it is. From the very beginning, from the very outset, um, we're defining um, sexual morality not in terms of the world at all, or not in terms of popular culture, whatever is relevant, whatever people are thinking, whatever pe- feel, people are feeling. By the way, this should make perfect sense to everybody. If, like, one of the most basic teachings of Christianity is that we have sin in us. And because we have sin, we're going to desire and think, think things very naturally that we shouldn't. And so it shouldn't surprise us that 
when it comes to our sexuality, we're going to think and desire things that we shouldn't shouldn't think and desire. And so, what when we when we think about these things, um, our first response when we think and feel things sexually, our first response should be should not be I should, I want to do whatever I want, but rather, and I'm speaking to to everyone right now as a Christian who cares about what the Lord wants. Um, it, our first response should be. Um, what's wrong about what I'm feeling? <laughs> it's probably not right. And how does God uh, want me uh, want me to behave? But avoiding sexual immorality, Paul goes right into it. We're we're going to avoid places, um, conditions that are going to place us into a, a compromised sexual ethic. And I don't know if you wanted to handle that now, but I think at some point we we, we should talk about that. No, I I think we what should. What avoidance and, looks like. Right. And one thing, I think my mother taught me this, but you always want to stay a couple decisions, a couple bad decisions away from ending up in bed with someone who, who God would say, you know, that's sin. And so, you know, usually after midnight, you don't want to, nothing good really happens um and also alcohol can make you make some really really bad decisions so if it's getting late at night and you're drinking um you're already a couple decisions down the road from making yet another decision that in the morning you could you could regret so part of avoiding sexual immorality is actually um not starting down that road of decision making where all of a sudden you're under the influence, you're tired, you're in a compromised position, and um, something enticing is is right there. So you want to cut that off before before you get that far, if that makes sense. And and Joseph did that. I like I like to think about Joseph who would just flee from those situations. You never put yourself in them. Maybe maybe you struggle with something online. Um, well then, then you you need to get some help. Covenant Eyes is a program that can that can help track your online behavior. Uh, media consumption can also be something that you're going to want to avoid because if you're watching something really provocative, um, again, you're making decisions that are going to move you towards something that you'll you'll end up regretting. So, avoiding sexual immorality. Uh, starts um, earlier than what you might think. I do think too, Timothy. I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, but I do think I want to prick Christians' consciences on this a little bit. Um, what you place in your imagination matters, and you, you, you really, I, I, man, I have the hardest time um, when people talk about watching highly pornographic shows like Game of Thrones and I, I hear Christians doing that. What are you putting in your heart and in your mind? And how is that impacting um if you're a single person, how's that impacting how you view sex um yourself? Um and the way that your imagination and your heart toys with those images uh can be can be very, very powerful. We are called to be different from the world and to avoid um, sexual immorality. And part of that is Jesus talked about the sins of the eyes. 
you know, the sins of the heart. And we need to be aware of that. Right. So that's just that's just um, counsel number one from the Apostle Paul. He's got a second one where he says, each, each of you, this is the NIV's translation, should learn to control his own body in a way that is holy and honorable. I got a lot to say about <laughs> a lot in that verse right there. Um, well, it's an interesting verse. Let's talk about the uh, different, uh, I guess you could say the interpretive problems with the verse. You can see if you're if you're reading the verse very, very carefully that there's a footnote that comes along with it, and then the footnote offers up some different translations. And what's that, what that's telling you is that the Apostle Paul used a word um, that's pretty unique. He, he used the word vessel. He used the word vessel here. And uh, people are trying to figure out what in the world is this vessel um, that he wants. You know, the Apostle Paul is telling us we're supposed to use our vessel well. Um, and some people propose solutions that it has something to do um, that the vessel might be a wife or, or, or um, marrying a wife or something like that. And um, those are problematic for a couple reasons. One is um, I dare any man to call their wife a vessel. <laughs> and, um, you are just an instrument to me or an object to me. That that's not that's not what's going on here. The Apostle Paul, a woman is is not just a body. She's a person. And the Apostle Paul is not taking down a woman's personhood here at all. And so. I'm just trying to show what some some of the options what people are struggling with here. Um, what seems to be going on here is the Apostle Paul is um, using the word vessel um, as sort of a euphemism for, um, you know, um, that part of your body, the male sexual organ. Right. Nobody yeah. nobody wants to say it, and so he, the Apostle Paul, didn't say it either. <laughs> Which I, I agree with that that idea that if the Apostle Paul wanted to talk about getting a wife, that he would have said wife like he does everywhere else. Yeah, <laughs> or he does that. If he wants to talk so. about the body as a whole, that he would have talked about the body as a whole with the same vocabulary that he uses everywhere else. This is a, this is a unique um, use of the word vessel here. And so I do think it's a euphemism for the male sexual organ. And, and so what he's saying to the young men in Thessalonia, um, learn to, to control that thing. You know, you, uh, you use your head, right? And not, not the one north or south of the border, if you want to say it that way. Um, <laughs> so this is a little awkward to talk about, but really... I think it's a really... That's why Paul used the euphemism. Yeah, because he didn't, <laughs> he didn't want to talk about it either. And he, he's got two adjectives just to get past kind of the um, awkward part. He wants, he wants us to use that male sexual organ, the, the, the vessel, in a way that is both holy and honorable. And, and I wanted to talk about both of those. But, but first of all, I want to just push into the word holy. Holy it is simply a word that means set apart. So... Um, you could use that male sexual organ in a way that everybody else uses it. You know, you could shove it in different places and, and um, use it for pleasure or whatever. 
Paul wants none of that. He wants it the the use of, of, of the the vessel to be set apart, so to be different, to be counter-cultural. Um, that's what it means to be holy. And I don't know if you wanted to talk about that a little bit more. He says holy and honorable. And the, the word honorable is even, to me, like a surprise in this context. You would... For me, like I almost expected a different word because the word, the antonym for the word honorable is shame. So he's saying don't act in a way that is shameful. And I almost would have thought that he would have been talking about guilt in this context, but he's really wanting to bring in um, this whole idea of if, if you're not controlling your vessel, you are actually doing something that is shameful. In other words, this isn't, the world would say, it's a personal decision. And Paul said, he's saying, no, it's not. It's not. You bring, if you act in an immoral way, you bring shame not only on yourself, but on everyone that's connected to you. You, you bring shame on your family, on your mother, on your father, on your brothers and sisters, potentially on your spouse, on your children, on your church, and most importantly, on your God. It, come on. It, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, we're, we're it has an to... impact. It has an impact, what you do in bed with somebody else. So contrast it with, you know, you said the world has a, has a um, sexual ethic and, and the Apostle Paul is going to contrast in a second too. So I, I think we can do start to do that. But he says we're supposed to be honorable and, and, and in other words, not shameful. And so the Apostle Paul makes it a community thing. Um, the wor- this, by the way, this should not surprise us. The world says, I want sex to be personal. It's not, it's, it's, it's so much more than personal. This is sex is about community building. Um, when a husband and wife have sex, it's a beautiful, incredible connection by which God wants to cement a relationship together and create the building blocks of the world. Um, little humans come into um, this then cemented relationship and they thrive. And it's a beautiful, beautiful plan. And when we, when so, so that's one issue. Is this this shame and honor issue? Is it really is a community issue to pretend like sex is only personal and it's and it's only two people in a bedroom? You know, I hear that all the time. I, I even hear it from Christians. I do whatever you want, just don't tell me about it. It's behind closed doors. It's wrong. Um, when you when you have sex, you're 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 cementing a relationship either in a good way or a very very wrong way, and that affects everybody else too. And stop pretending like it doesn't. You're just lying to yourself, and you're hurting your community. Secondly, when you when you throw your body around, you're treating it like it's a piece of trash, and it's not a piece of trash. Um, God God made us to be beautiful and and holy and righteous and you your body is you (laughs) and you don't want to treat it like it's just a piece of junk it's not it's you and every time you treat it like it's nothing um you are 
you are in a sense uh, degrading yourself. You know, you're just you're degrading yourself. So Paul says, do the opposite. Treat yourself as you are in Christ. You are holy. You are beautiful. You are washed in the blood of Jesus. And do the honorable thing. Bless community. Don't take away from it. Right. So there's oh, there's so much more. He actually so we we want to be we want to control our vessels in a way that is holy and honorable. And then it's that's contrasted with not in passionate lust like the pagans who who do not who do not know God. So, you know, I think about I think about the ancients and how they thought about passionate lust and uh like aristotle and and guys like him would talk about how human beings have this lower appetite and this lower appetite includes sexual desires like um we understand how overwhelming they can be and how animalistic they can be um and and how embarrassing they can be so they are a part of the lower appetite, and like a typical ba- pagan, at least in my city, sees like this piece of flesh that it wants, and like you can see these guys just leering at women uh, as they walk down the sidewalk, or um, you know any other kind of thing, and um, it's 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 part of the lower appetites. I think about I think about my dog Cooper. I, you know, I love Cooper. He's gone now, but um, I remember this one time this lady came over, and Cooper just started humping her leg. He like he we had so we, embarrassing. Yeah, I, I was like, oh, I'm so I'm so sorry. I don't understand why he's doing this. Please forgive me. But Cooper could not. He could not help himself. He he just. He had to do it. He just started going buck wild on this lady's leg. And, um, I, you know, you're laughing about it, but you have to kind of think about that. <laughs> you have to kind of think about that. It's like, you, is that the kind of person that you want to be? You see, you see something beautiful, something attractive, and you just start, you start acting on your lower appetite. You know, that's, that's passionate. That's the passionate lust. That's the the pagan way of going about um, the treatment of the body. Am I wrong here? Like, is this? No, but it, it, this is this is all real. I I think you are right, and that I, I want to just focus in on this on this little line. It says, "People do this who do not know God." See, I I think that's really key. What what a lot of people are doing is they are using sex as a way to worship. They want to transcend. They want to connect. And that's why a lot of people, like, you can't even talk to them about their sexual lives because for them it's actually worship. Like, if you tell somebody, this this is not this is not how you create a flourishing society. This is not how you bless other human beings through this through this sexual behavior. This there's a better way to do it. You'll have you'll have people at your throat if they're not Christians. If they are Christians, they'll agree with you, but they'll they'll be at your throat. They'll say, and, and and they'll say, "But I have to have this kind of sex. I can't I can't be satisfied without this kind of sex. I have to have it." And that's because they don't know the God who satisfies their hearts, yeah. and they do not know God. And what happens, Timothy? And I, 
this is maybe a little bit of a deep dive, but I, I want I want Christians to think about this. This is what the modern sexual ethic does to people. Even as they worship um, their their body, they denigrate it. So they say, I have to have this kind of sex, and yet they ruin their own body as they have it. And so it worships the body even as it destroys the body, which is a which is really a, a terrible thing to do. And knowing God, um, knowing Christ, is uh, what what puts us in the right place. Right. Yeah. I talking about this. It, it's so hard. It, you know, I don't do it lightly. When when you you said something really important when you criticize the the way or with whom someone has sex today, it is so close to people's identities. It it really is it, um, especially in some cases. And you say, well, that's wrong. Then what they'll say is you're tearing down my personhood. And, and that's why I think some, some people are deeply ashamed of whom they have sex with. And, and that's why it must be celebrated so publicly and affirmed so publicly today that it's the only way to, to, to feel better about it. Um, there's a deep shame surrounding people's sexuality. And to know Jesus is to know somebody who um, absolutely died for us and who wants to redeem us and set us, has set us free from sin and which is really a slavery and he sets us free to love um as he has called us to love and the apostle like the apostle paul says he's giving instructions to the the people that jesus bought and who jesus now lives and reigns for so i i mean the apostle paul's got one other encouragement one other counsel he says and in this manner no one should wrong or take advantage of of a brother or sister. Um, so I don't. Did you have any thoughts on that one? Yeah, yeah, I do. And so once again, the Apostle Paul he he puts this in into a community context. And uh, so if I could, Timothy, I I apologize. I I messed up the recording here and if this is a little bit jumpy for our listeners it's it's my fault and I, I apologize for that what i do want to do is pick up pick up an idea that didn't get quite um recorded and then I'll, i want to come back to this community idea but the, the apostle paul he he cares not just about a relationship with each other when it comes to sex but actually our one with god too he says, he, he says, and this is the comments that didn't get recorded that that you referred to. He, he talks about people who do not know God, and part of the reason they 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 live out their lives like that um, is because they don't know the God who satisfies them, and so they have to use sex as a way to worship, as a way to transcend, as a way to connect. And that's why people are so protective of how and who they have sex with, because it's for them, um, it's it's their God. And what ends up happening when they do that, when, when pagans do this, is that they end up, by worshiping their body, destroying their body. So even as they say, I have to have this kind of sex, 
Um, they're destroying their body even as they do that. And what knowing God does, like you said, is you're, you, you end up using your body then in the way that God designed your body to use. So you honor your body and you treat your body um, that you know is so important. All of us sense this about our bodies. And then you use it to help other people uh, flourish. And again, that brings me to this community aspect is um, I think one of the saddest things, you know, you, you both, you and I are both pastors. We do, we do marriage counseling. We help people through pre-marriage counseling and things like that. I think one of the hardest things and one of the saddest things is helping, uh, is helping people deal with all of the baggage that comes into the marriage bedroom. So when people have had all of these different sexual experiences, um, all of these um, things, they bring that with them to to the marriage moment, and uh, that's sad, Timothy. Like I don't, I, I don't even want to get into it. But um, when Paul says, "Don't take advantage of somebody in this," it it's you can't. It's, sex always has tremendous consequences. You can't get away from that just because you wore, wore a condom. Um, it has emotional and spiritual and future consequences for everybody that's involved. Yeah, I, I've had, the, you're right about that. And I, I just wanted to add this thought that while it is sad, it's not impossible to get over that. So if, if it, it, sometimes I think people feel ruined. How could I ever get married again? How, why, how could anyone ever love me? And I'll just remind you that that God has loved you in Jesus Christ. And um, yeah, you, you, it, it could be that a man or a woman will marry you and love you um, despite and and be able to be forgetful and and kind of leave all of that in the past. Let, um, take out the garbage, so to say, and just let it be. You don't, you don't have to revisit it um, as painful as that may be. Let the cross, let it stay at the foot of the cross. And so I have seen victories over that. But I think, Jonathan, you're right. To be able to avoid that whole picture in the first place is, is a God-pleasing thing to do. So then the Apostle Paul, he finishes up this idea by really, um, really emphasizing just how important this is and really warning us that taking another track is 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 very very dangerous and in fact he says the lord will punish all those who commit such sins as we told you and and warned you before so he does he it's interesting you know the modern sexual ethic is sex is important and i can do whatever i want and the lord says um sex is important and you can't do whatever you want which one's right um the second one is it's very, very important, and it's very, very beautiful. And because it is, God protects it. Um, it's just like, uh, what what do you most protect in your house? Or um, you protect the things that are most valuable to you. Um, and so so God is is holding this up as a beautiful gem, and he, he wants us to protect it and honor it and, and use it, this deeply intimate, um, creation of his that is uh, sexual intimacy. Yeah, I think the scriptures, they do treat sexual sin in that way too. Like the Apostle Paul in other places wrote, you know, all other sins are outside the body. 
but like when you have sex with a prostitute, um, he, he talks about how that's that sin is more impactful spiritually because it impacts more than more than just the body. There's a real unity that happens in marriage, and and it shouldn't happen. It shouldn't happen outside of marriage. And so there's law and gospel here. The laws he's he's warned us. Um, you can love your sin more than you love God, and and people make that choice. But then you have to live with it. You have to live with the consequences of what the law says. Um, but God doesn't call us to that. He calls us to holy life, and He calls us to Himself. And He actually, I wanted to make a really big point about this, and you can't really see it in English. But if you look at the Greek, um, the last phrase says, "The very God who gives you." His Spirit, the Holy One. And we've been talking about holiness, purity, all of these things. Um, and I want you to just tell you who your God is. He's the gifting God. He, he gives us Himself, all of Himself, in Jesus Christ, who lived and died and redeemed us and, and who has justified us by rising powerfully from the grave. But he gives us even more than that. He, he gives us the Spirit who is holy. And, and I want to say something that's not profound at all. That means um, that is a part of the, the Spirit's essential character. His, his name, his complete name, is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. And he indwells us. He indwells us. And so... Um, that's an incredible gift. His holiness gives us power to live a new life. And um, that's a gift and it's a calling, as Paul says. So I got two closing comments, and I think they're going to be pretty swift. Here's the first one. This can comfort us as Christians. There's a lot of debate right now about what, sexuality really is and what the apostle paul does here is he comes in and he defines it and i i want to comfort uh christians and just let you know what we've been talking about today is true and it's god's word and you can believe it you don't have to you don't have to worry about it i i, I read yet another article that that said this morning that christians have different views on on these things that's actually not true um that what people are representing out there is simply unchristian if they're not agreeing with the Apostle Paul. And that's what he says here. He says, look, you're not rejecting a human being, but God. And so you are on, on the side of God when you're on the side of this stuff. And when other people aren't, they're not on the side of God. So we can get out of our defensive postures. If there's skepticism, we can have clarity over this. And that, and that feels good. That's a good, that's a good thing. But secondly, as so that's how to deal with with the world and its thoughts but secondly dealing with ourselves i i taught this in a bible class i guess maybe it was a um, maybe a couple months ago already but um it, it's amazing what this kind of talk evokes like we all have personal stories when it comes to this stuff and i just want everybody out there to know that we are purified in the blood of Jesus. We are baptized into him. Um, if there's skeletons in your closet, you are forgiven. And you do have the Holy Spirit. Uh, and I want to affirm 
uh, all of you in that. Because if 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 we leave this podcast and you're full of shame, then you'll you know a, a pig goes and rolls in, in the mud. But one of God's children um, flies like an angel. That's what I got in my head right now, and that's all the best I got. And so I want to encourage people. to www.thenote.com.